The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, a recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. The Virginia Redistricting Commission is set to begin drawing new political maps next week. In a meeting yesterday, the group voted to start from scratch when they begin that work. Ben Pavier has more. Some lawmakers on the commission wanted to use Virginia's current political districts as their starting point for drawing new boundaries. Republican State Senator Steve Newman reminded the group that the new boundaries will eventually need to pass the General Assembly. And to me, the best way to do that is to at least take in mind uh, what the current maps are. Other members, like Sean Kumar, questioned that logic. The Democratic appointee said using the existing maps would just allow lawmakers to protect their own interests. The whole point of this process is people want something fundamentally different. In a 12 to 4 vote, the commission ultimately agreed to begin with a blank slate. The group will have access to lawmakers' current addresses. State law bans them from drawing lines that favor one political party over another. Ben Pavier, VPM News. The commission will get help from two firms, one Democrat, one Republican, when they begin drawing new political maps next week. Republicans chose John Morgan. He's the expert who helped them draw House of Delegates boundaries in 2011. Some of those districts were later thrown out by federal courts for racial gerrymandering. In yesterday's meeting, Morgan pledged to work with members of both parties on the bipartisan commission. And again, I really didn't expect to be here for this round of redistricting, so I'm happy to work with all members of the commission as directed. Democrats chose a firm called Haystack DNA. Both groups have worked for redistricting commissions in other states. Virginia student-athletes have new protections from the General Assembly to secure their ability to sell their name, rights, and images to brands outside of their college or university. As VPM News intern Adia Ghostin reports, NILs, as they're called, are helping student-athletes curate their own brand. A tweet from the owner of Barstool Sports, a popular media company among college students, gained Kennedy Lynch a lot of attention. She's a Virginia Tech lacrosse player who signed on as a Barstool athlete. Which kind of blew up my social media a bit. The exposure drew more brands to Lynch, giving her the opportunity to partner with those who shared her values and interests, like inclusive women-owned businesses. As a PR major, the experience is also making her think about what she wants her brand to be. Because it's honestly teaching me a lot, not only about building an image, but just like expanding my career in a sense and applying knowledge that I've been learning through internships and things like that. However, if an athlete's hobby or interest involves alcohol, drugs, or weapons, they're out of luck. NCAA regulations bar athletes from making NIL deals with these companies. Adia Ghostin, VPM News. To help students navigate the new world of NIL deals, Virginia Tech started a program called Jumpstart. Pete Morris is the university's associate athletics director of strategic communications. First of all, educating the student-athletes on the parameters of this new landscape in college athletics uh, looks like, and then also giving them some education on existing tools that we have in place to help them really build their brand. The program partners with a digital platform to teach students about social media metrics, market valuations, and other important elements for growing their personal brands. 
Unvaccinated Virginians developed COVID-19 symptoms or tested positive at a rate 12.5 times higher than their fully vaxxed counterparts this year. That's according to the Virginia Department of Health's updated COVID dashboard available online. In a release, VDH says the new dashboard more clearly and accurately shows the efficacy of vaccines in the Commonwealth. It now compares case, hospitalization, and death rates for fully, partially, and unvaccinated populations. How many people in Hampton Roads are vaccinated against COVID-19? That simple and important question is currently impossible to answer. Ryan Murphy from partner station WHRV explains why. State data shows Norfolk and Portsmouth currently have vaccination percentages in the low to mid-40s. But those city-level figures aren't counting a major part of the population, the military. The Department of Defense doesn't tell Virginia how many vaccines it administers to active duty members, veterans, their families, or civilian employees by city. It only gives officials the total number for the entire state. So statewide figures shared by the health department are correct. But drill down just one step further, and the numbers for military-heavy communities like ours are suddenly missing a huge chunk of data. More than 20% of Hampton Roads residents may qualify to get a shot from the DOD. Brian C. Martin oversees the Public Health Master's Program at Eastern Virginia Medical School. He says knowing where vaccination rates are low can let public health officials better target efforts and allocate resources. Bad data can do the opposite. When you're using that number, that X percent in that example, uh, and it's not accurate and you don't know how inaccurate it is, then you don't know how much messaging or resources or importance of significance to put on that. Martin says it's unlikely resources have really been wasted at this point. No city is approaching full vaccination, so efforts in any community are still helpful. That was Ryan Murphy reporting. The Afghan community in the U.S. have been watching from afar as the Taliban retook control of Kabul. One of them is Samira Kerkwa, who resettled in Charlottesville. She spoke with VPM's Angela Messino on the phone about what it's been like for her family and her uncle, who is still in Afghanistan. I was talking to him and I was like, you know, is there any way you could just leave um, Afghanistan and go to um, like a neighboring country um, and and somehow like just, you know, attempt to just leave and hopefully come here or Canada or anywhere. But we were talking to him and he started uh, bawling. Like he started crying and he was like, is this our home? Like, for how many years have we Afghans been trying to just leave and trying to seek safety and peace? And as humans, are we not like, do we not have that right to have peace in our country? It's just really heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking to see. Um, your country just shattering to pieces and your people just so hopeless. And I think for the Afghan diaspora, it's, um, there's a lot of survival guilt. We left in 1998. My parents lost hope and we finally fled. And the night we left, I remember it was, um, it was early morning, it was pretty dark out still, the sun hadn't come up, and that was the plan to leave before the sunrise and before the call to prayer. So I remember the fear. I remember the bus ride to Pakistan and constantly praying. Um, I remember the prayer that my mom had taught us to like just 
you know, say in our hearts so we can make it safe out of Afghanistan. So the past couple of weeks has been um, kind of like reliving that night um, for me. And um, and I just can't imagine what they did from like my mom, because of course she lived, she was a lot older and she lived as a woman in Afghanistan um, when the Taliban came and took over and how she went from being a teacher to a housewife. And as a woman myself, like being able to get out and able to go get an education and have that freedom and then to see girls in Afghanistan kind of fighting for the same things, like having the same dreams as me and um, wanting the same things as I did when I was young and to see that may never be a reality for them is really hard. Something Afghans would like to hear and and see from non-Afghans is that we're with you. I think just hearing that we are seen and we are heard and we we are supported is would mean the world to us. You can learn more about Samira's journey to resettling in Virginia by listening to VPM's podcast Resettled at vpm.org slash resettled. The music in the story was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. This is VPM News. This newscast was recorded on Monday, August 23rd at 6 p.m. Some of these stories may have changed from the time you've heard them. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.